This episode of the Fastest Known Podcast is brought to you by Koros. Wearables from Koros help you explore perfection by offering the longest battery life in its class for each of its watch models. For example, in full GPS mode, you get 60 hours of battery life. That's as much as the current FKT on Nolan's 14. Or track in ultra mode to get an astonishing 150 hours of battery life, enough to get an FKT on Vermont's long trail and then some. Koros is proudly worn by many great runners, including Camille Heron, Timothy Olson, Hayden Hawks, Magdalena Boulay, and many others. Track your next FKT with a watch from Koros. Visit koros.com. C-O-R-O-S dot com. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. And we have a very special guest today. And I am speaking with Carl Egloff. He's in Quito. I think Quito. We'll find out in a minute. Ecuador. And he just got back from a big FKT on Denali in Alaska. Welcome, Carl. Thank you so much, Buzz. It's a huge honor for me to talk to you. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm back in, in Ecuador, in Quito, in the capital at uh, almost seven and a half thousand feet. This is where I live and I'm really, really happy to be back home. Well, terrific. So I think most people know a little bit about your background because you've been blazing the big mountains all over the world now for the past five years. But I'll, just in case someone doesn't, I believe you were born to a Swiss father and Ecuadorian mother, and you've lived most of your life in Ecuador, but you did spend some time in Switzerland. Your English is excellent, so thank you for thank that. You so much. And you've just been crushing it on the big mountains all over the world. Well, yes, actually, you you resumed it pretty good. Uh, I grew up here in Ecuador 38, uh, 38 years ago. Um, I'm a kid of uh, a Swiss father and an Ecuadorian mother who unfortunately passed away very early, but she was Ecuadorian and we grew up here in Ecuador. We are three kids. I'm the youngest. I'm the only son. Uh, I have two older sisters and uh, we have always had at home this uh, multiculti, which means uh, half Swiss, half Ecuadorian uh, food and languages. And we were always mixing at home. We grew up with different languages at home. My father was talking to us always in Swiss German and I went on a German school here in Ecuador. So all subjects uh, we got teached were in, uh, were in German. I started to climb mountains with my father to guide groups. Of course, those days you could not live from guiding. So uh, he did it much more for for kind of a hobby. He took me always with him. I don't even remember what age I was when I was the first time on his backpack on the first pictures, uh, probably two or three years old with him on the glacier walking around. And uh, when, I, when I became uh, a kid, I was always asking him to, to take me with him. And uh, we were walking hours and hours and, and, and this beautiful highlands that Ecuador has so close to the town. And uh, this is also something that helped me a lot to develop languages, to develop uh, in tourism, uh, admire and love tourism, which is uh, definitely what I do for a living. So guiding for me was actually very early since I was 15. I started with, with uh, climbing with my father uh, professionally. What does that mean? That he was paying me also when I was leaving uh, uh, teams on to the, to the different glaciers and uh, when I was, I turned 16, uh, my mother passed away and my father decided he should send me to Switzerland to study. As, uh, as a Swiss citizen, you, you, you can study for free. And here in Ecuador, it's really expensive to study in, uni in private universities as, as in the United States. 
So my father decided to send us to Switzerland. And when I was there, I, I, I did not have any chance to go to the mountains at all because I did not have the money for it and the time for it. For me, it was the first priority to, to earn money. So I was knocking doors everywhere. I was working at the kitchen of McDonald's and doing pizza delivery and whatever, whatever the jobs were giving me an opportunity. And, um, and then finally, I started again with uh, with sports and not particularly with mountaineering. I was uh, many years a football player, soccer player, and I was playing six times a week. I was playing with regional teams, and uh, this was kind of the first step back to, to the sports. Then I turned to mountain biker here in Ecuador when I returned, and I was on, on, on the off-season climbing mountains all the season because I was earning money as a guide. And then finally, the, the, the third step was to, to enter uh, full-time to these uh, records that uh, came uh, to my life as a casualty. Uh, they were not planified. It was just one casualty after the other. And so I'm really, really happy what everything has come. Uh, and uh, it was unexpected. I'm not, not 20 anymore. I'm 38. So um, I'm just surprised what, what, uh, what things that we have been doing on the last three, four years. And I could say right now, I can say right, I can say right now that uh, I could not be happier with, uh, with the sport I practice because it's kind of the sport I always wish to do, to be free on the mountains and not guiding. So just for me and with the clock and myself and studying the mountains, studying the route and everything. Wow. Excellent. Congratulations. You've had a, a big tour of the world. So how many languages do you speak? I speak right now five languages, not oh. all of them very good, but uh, I, I try my best. <laughs> well, oh, well, as a, an American, you know, we speak one. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm very appreciative. Congratulations. So you. No, oh. thank you. But you have a huge continent. You, you, you don't need to speak other languages. Here in Ecuador, <laughs> you, need the, you need them to, to, to go further. <laughs> right. Well, you broke into the international scene in August of 2014 when you broke Killian's record on Kilimanjaro. You zoomed up and down that. And then, as we've just mentioned, one week ago today, you went back to Denali, the highest mountain in North America. And that was interesting because you climbed up and down in 11 hours, 44 minutes, and it took Killian 11 hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> so that's interesting FKT action by one minute. But notable is that, of course, he was... Uh, a little slower going up because he was carrying skis, but he was dramatically faster coming down because he skied while you did the non-ski ascent. Absolutely, boss. You you just resumed it. Uh, the only correction is that he did 11 hours 48. And uh, I, I know that a lot of people have been talking about 44, 45, but on his, on his latest book, Summits of My Life, he mentioned that he did 11, 48. But it, it, it's, it's not coming to the case. I just wanted to let you know that. And uh, why? The big question is like, why did I not use skis? Uh, I'm a skier. Uh, I can ski. But of course, I cannot ski as well as Killian. Definitely not. I have never competed in skis. I have never uh, made any, any, any competition with them. Uh, I, I have skied as a half Swiss. I have spent winters in Switzerland skiing as a tourist. But uh, it's not the case of who skis better. The, the thing is definitely chose since the beginning of my project to do all the records the same way. 
That means starting with people start to walk, doing a first ascent time and then a round trip time. This has been the same on all and all on foot. Uh, because I think this is kind of the rules in my project to do them all the same, the same way. I definitely would have chosen to ski down because, uh, as you said, you are much, much faster. But uh, as I had, I had the first, the previous, the previous uh, goal was to just to do the ascent time and take it easy on the way down. But as soon as I arrived to the summit and I saw the gap that I had in between Kilian, I said, I should try. Why not? Actually, I, I don't have nothing to lose because people will, under, will understand that I don't have skis. And then I just went all the way down. And on the last three camps to the base camp, it, it became really, really hard because the snow conditions, they were completely melted. And I was really uh, struggling a lot uh, with these water conditions. And I was having kind of walking on sand. And uh, it was really, it was really tough. The, the last uh, uh, 10, 15 miles to, to, the, to the finish line was difficult. And I struggled and I gave my best, thinking also that it would be the best to do the round trip too. So there will be no doubt because I'm the underdog. So um, this is definitely what, uh, but I, I, I came for, for, I actually came for the, for the summit and breaking the ascent time. This is what we prepared for. This is why we chose also to do some with uh, some part of the record with the snowshoes and the rest I was doing everything with a, with a special snowshoes. And um, uh, this is why we chose that way. So you want to do all the, all the mountains, the projects in the same fashion. It makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So to clarify, mm -hmm. is this the seven summits? Exactly. Uh, the seven summits all in speed record. This is my project. Started with Kilimanjaro 2014, then uh, Aconcagua in 2015, then Elbrus in 2017, and Denali has become the fourth uh, on 2019. And right now, the three left are Karsten Pyramid in Indonesia. This is going to be probably on the end of this year or starting on the next year after Mount Windsor, which is in uh, Antarctic and closing uh, with, with the very renamed mountain of Mount Everest in Asia. That's a big project. And so right now it's four down and three to go. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nice. Wow. So we, we have to ask you, of course, about, you know, Killian, the, the, one of the few people in the world you don't need to use his surname because his first name is so well known. And he, he, <laughs> started, he started his Summits of My Life project and set these records. And all of a sudden, you popped up there doing pretty similar things. So, again, I just have to note, you're your own man. This is, as you said, what you like to do, what you might be doing anyway. But comparisons you know, can't help but be made. Are you trying to beat Killian or how do you reference Killian in terms of your project? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, uh, to be compared to him is a huge honor. As you mentioned, he's a legend. And uh, when when I started the, the project, um, actually, it's going to be a little bit funny if you hear this, but I did not know about Killian because I was a mountain biker. And uh, when, when the agency in Kilimanjaro said, Carl, uh, we should like to sponsor you to try the speed record on Kilimanjaro, I really did not know uh, who was leading in the, this kind of sport or who was the, the best trade running in the world. I did not know anything because I was not following the sport at all. I was the, the guy who knew everything about biking. I knew 
on those days who Christoph Sauser, Alban Lakata, and all these monsters were uh, riding bikes. But um, as soon as the agency said, actually, the the record on Kilimanjaro starts on the very beginning of the mountain. You have to summit and down in seven hours and 14 minutes. And the record is holding Kilian Jornet. And I said, okay, I'm going to write down the name. And then I went home uh, and I was Googling the name. And I, I said, holy shit, actually, it's like uh, a machine. He has broken everything and uh, he has won everything. And uh, for me, it was just, I was concerned that if I was able, capable of doing something like, like he does, and I, I saw that he was supported by a team, that I, I saw that he, he was uh, the youngest in winning the, the most prestigious uh, trail running events in the world, and he was still very young and, and everything. And uh, then I flew to Kilimanjaro, and, and uh, one of my clients, because I was guiding there, she was reading Kilian's book, and I said, oh, he has, he has books, and then I... I, I received this book and I was reading about his uh, Kilimanjaro ascent and then uh, I was reading all the details and I said, okay, actually it's, uh, it's, it's uh, makeable. Pro probably I, I, I can just try. I don't have nothing to lose. Nobody knows me. And uh, this, this is going to be the hardest anyway to believe in yourself. I was not sleeping three nights before trying on Kilimanjaro and I was completely the underdog. I was a mountain biker those days. And when I reached the summit, uh, I saw I saw the watch and I was below the record and I said, "Wow, I cannot believe it!" But I was aware that he's one of the best downhillers in the world, so I, I said, "Okay, don't smile too fast." And I wanted I wanted just to keep my pace going down and I want some minutes going down too. And when I stopped the clock, I did uh, six hours forty-two. I did not really realize what I did. For me, it was just uh, okay. I did a good job. I hope the agency is giving me more more work here in Kilimanjaro because uh, I did a good name for the agency, but I did not know what, what it's going to happen next. I, I heard immediately afterwards that this was kind of the first time ever that someone beat Kilian's record, and um, this was a huge thing. So when I arrived in Ecuador, the media was very interested in what happened and what is the project and what's next, and I don't didn't really had anything planned yet. So uh, I, I said, okay, I should go. Uh, to, to Aconcagua because I had an organized group for Aconcagua already a couple of months later. And then <laughs> immediately a day or two later, we, we figured out that Kilian was announcing the same, that he was going to, to, to Aconcagua for his next goal. And uh, I said, oh no, if he's going there, he has much more experience and he's going to do some altitude training in Nepal. So I said, okay, it's time to quit with biking and start really uh, to trail run. And that is where these six months I, I started to, to run and run and run and uh, to compete in the different trail running events and getting faster and trying to improve on, in, in, on foot. And uh, the story looks like I have been behind Killian's record, but everything has been a casualty because he broke then uh, Aconcawa's record and a month later I came and I broke his record. And then I went to Elbrus, and the goal of Elbrus was to do something that he hasn't done. So people could uh, separate a little bit our projects. But definitely people started to compare us again, because Kilian was there twice and was trying an Elbrus record twice. And uh, because of bad weather, he couldn't do it. And I was uh, very happy to do the record on Elbrus, uh, beating Vitali Schkel. And uh, immediately, immediately uh, people said, OK, he did for the first time, a record before him. But Denali, of course, was was uh, back to the roots. Again, Kilian's record. 
and the next uh, and the next seven summits he is not holding them anymore so right now probably it's not going to be the 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 man to be compared uh, but I'm always very happy that people compare me with, with them. Of course, there are a lot of people who criticize me because they said, actually, I'm just behind his, his goals, but it isn't. I'm behind the seven summits and he was holding three of them. But if someone else would have been holding these records, there would be someone else to beat. It looks like it is a box uh, match and we are gentlemen. We are friends. We have, we have had the opportunity to to even uh, film a commercial together. We have spent some time in Chamonix. Right now I saw him in Spain. And I have a huge respect. He's a legend and he this will never change. So, but the, the good question, the big question is, would, would I be right now someone uh, renamed or uh, renowned if Kilian wouldn't exist? I think no, because uh, probably nobody would care about the FKTs. So uh, I'm, I'm absolutely thankful that there is a man called Kilian Jornet because people are following everything that he's doing because he's a legend. And um, so I'm absolutely thankful that he is, is there, out there, and pushing this sport to the very limit. But uh, once again, I'm not behind Kilian's record, it looks like. <laughs> excellent explanation. I very much appreciate that. You have an excellent attitude, noting that Killian has raised the game for everybody. Everybody who wants to participate now has more room to play because he's raised the bar. He's expanded the uh, recognition. And so people like you can get some type of sponsorship and some type of support to go do what you want to do anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just resumed it the way it is because... You know, if, they, if, if someone else, my neighbor, would tomorrow beat my records, nobody would know about this neighbor. And it's, it's beginning from zero once again to know what he's doing, what he's achieving. And Kilian is, is, is right now attendance, as you said, is one of the, 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 the few athletes that you don't have to mention him without surname because he has developed his legacy so far and, and he deserves it because he has done amazing things, definitely. So I'm, 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 and not just me. I think everyone uh, looks right now back to the sport, and he has done, uh, he has grown with the sport. Uh, people are talking out there about trail running, and it's also thanks to him. Right. Good point. Excellent attitude. Well, meanwhile, you're just ticking off these huge summits. You have the goal of the seven summits, four down, three to go, and I note that you've also done really high summits down in South America, such as Cerro Plumo, Huascaran and Cotopaxi, kind of right out of your backyard. <laughs> and But what about races? So interestingly enough, I note that you did do Pikes Peak Marathon last year in an excellent time of 3.48. And I think you went to Zagama last, a few weeks ago. How, how did Zagama go? Well, this is a, a good point. Racing for me, uh, I, I came into trail running because of the speed ascents, because I knew um, I need to race. I need also to, to give something back to the sponsors. If I don't have luck with the weather when I'm going for a project, if I'm coming empty in a year because of, of the weather conditions. So I said, actually, the good thing about sponsorship is that sometimes you can do something else on the same year. And I thought I, I should actually start to, to race. I was winning in Ecuador all trail running events and I thought I thought it's it's uh, it, out there there is a, a huge level you know you've go to Spain you go to the US they are amazing athletes so I started not just to race where I was feeling comfortable like on Elbrus race 
in Russia that I won twice. This is my terrain. This was my mountain to climb a five and a half thousand mountain, which is uh, which is almost a seventeen thousand foot mountain. Is kind of my thing. Uh, and I said, actually, I should go uh, where everybody meets, like the best athletes in the world meet. So Segama or Pikes Peak and all those are considered the Golden Trail series today. And I said, uh, I, I should taste how it is to, to race on the Pikes Peak. And last year, without a trainer, um, I, I said, actually, I should go to see how it is. And I, uh, I arrived seventh uh, on the Pikes Peak. And I saw there between the first six, I had a gap and I had to improve. I, had, I needed a trainer to get better. And uh, this is what I, what I did. And uh, I started this, this season uh, very motivated. I was training a lot. So I could really raise the, the entire championship of the Golden Trail Series. But um, not, 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 not a lot of people know that I suffered a frostbite on my toes on uh, the south wall of Aconcagua on February. And I, we were very lucky. I was very lucky to not lose my, my feet. Uh, we were uh, struggling a lot with the temperatures there on the south face of Aconcagua. And I had a treatment of around four to six, six weeks to recover my skin on my toes. So my trainer said... Okay, you booked Segama, uh, the planes, the house, everything is higher. So uh, I would go because uh, a lot of people are dreaming about racing one day in Segama, but don't expect too much car. And I went there and I arrived to the finish line on 52th, uh, which is, uh, of course, not what I was expecting. And, and a lot of people criticized me because they don't know what happened before. They, they thought I'm going to be... Uh, you know, head by head with Kilian, and absolutely, I never, never occurred because Kilian was, uh, wow, was in another level than I was there. Um, and right now, after this uh, Denali record, I'm I'm back on the Golden Trail series. I'm traveling in three weeks to the next one. I have the Dolomites, and I have the, the huge opportunity once again to be on the Pikes Peak. They invited me in Colorado to be back there, so I hope to be much more competitive. And uh, but I have to I have to say I'm I'm not even close to beat Killian uh, racing. Uh, this is not what I was born to do. Uh, I was born to to run on the mountains. This is my thing. I, I love it on the mountains. This is what I feel the the most comfortable. If it's if there are crevasses, if there it's snowing, if I'm completely alone, lost on the mountain, I feel I think a little bit secure. Then if thousands of people are cheering you on the back in Segama that I was feeling so nervous because I, it looked like I was in Hollywood and someone was feeling, filming me and there was a helicopter on my back. So uh, I have to get used to Then it made me really nervous to be in, in such an audience, just amazingly an audience. I, I would never claim about the audience, but I, I have myself to get used to it. Well, <laughs> when I heard you're going to Zagama, it's it's very few Americans know about this. It's a trail marathon, and people say, "Oh, trail marathon! How hard is that?" Oh, wow! Well, you saw what happened when the gun goes off, the hammer goes down. Those people open up that first kilometer, and you know, like four minutes. It's that's uphill, and as you know, it it looks like Le Tour de France. The entire way Absolutely. up some of those hills, it's a tunnel of people, you know, one <laughs> meter away from you screaming. So Zagama's, you cannot breathe. You it, cannot breathe. All the <laughs> oxygen, they, they take you away there. <laughs> yeah, Zagama and Aconcagua are a little different there. Well, well, good for you for mixing it up. I think, again, Carl, that's an excellent attitude. 
you were born to do the high summits, as you said, but you're mixing it up. You're trying some other things. You're doing the, some of the Golden Trail series, and you know you can't win against the best competition, but you're doing it anyway because it's good training, and it's, uh, it's kind of fun to meet other people. Absolutely. And something that you have to learn in life is to, to, to be criticized, you know, and uh, if, if, the, if someone is criticizing you with arguments, it's good. If someone is criticizing because of frustration, it's not good, but you have to, to live with it. And on the beginning, uh, the first comments after Kilimanjaro was this guy of South America, he's definitely cheating. Nobody can beat Kilian on the mountain. And uh, when, when I did Aconcagua, everybody was like, uh, what happened? This is the second in six months. So actually, there could be someone who is faster on the mountain. But what is going to happen if both of these guys going to meet one day to race? And I knew it from the beginning that this is the world of Killian. And um, the difference between him is that uh, he is a much more uh, runner than I am. And I have spent so much time in my life on the mountains that probably I feel a little bit better at the altitude that he does. He does, this does not make me a better athlete or a, a better FKT runner. It's just I feel better on it. This is all. And um, on, on Kilian, what he has become as a, as a legend on running, I would never come even close to it. I, I would be just uh, very, very thankful if one day we can arrive pretty uh, next to each other. If I can see him arriving to the finish line, it would be just a, key, a dream come true. But as you said, this is my secondary sport. My first... My third sport is the FK, are the FKTs and guiding, and everything else is competing to get a better performer. Good. Again, great attitude. And I will note that the Pikes Peak Marathon last year, your time of 3.48 was only eight minutes slower than when Killian did it. He did a 3.40. So I think most listeners would be very, very happy to do a 3.48 at Pikes Peak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm happy because... Pike Peak is kind of the things that I'm doing on FKTs. You run from the town and you go up to the summit and then you run down to the town. So probably this is why it, 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 it was a good race for me. And this is also why I'm looking forward to Pike Peak this year, because with my trainer, we decided that this is going to be the peak of the year for me. Oh. So um, this is kind of uh, where I really want to see how good I can do it. And uh, don't forget that Pikes Peak is exactly uh, the best thing that can happen for me because it's altitude. And in altitude, I feel good. And uh, if you are racing almost to 14,000 feet, this is where, where I start really to, to flow. And uh, this is even with, with the helicopter on my back, I will forget it because I will be on the mountain in Segama. I was so scared of the people. I was, I, I, everybody was talking about these tunnels of people and I was like, oh no, it's just a kilometer to go and then we will be just surrounded of people and, and, and everybody's yelling and, and it's just beautiful. As you said, it's like the Tour de France. So I'm really happy to come back to, to Colorado and the, on this time I will be coming with my family and I heard that Kilian announced that he's coming too, definitely. He's the favorite, he's the man to beat. And uh, I'm completely aware that uh, I'm the underdog there and I will try to make my better time. I definitely know that on the downhill, I, I lost time because I had tired legs. So this time I will be training for, for a better time. Wow, terrific. And what is the elevation of Quito? This is a good question. Quito is 2,800 meters, which would be uh, 8,000 feet. 
that's very similar to uh, Pikes Peak at the base of Pikes Peak, Manitou Springs. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, I was feeling very good there. I spent a week there. And uh, this year, I'm going to try something else. I'm going uh, just 24 hours before the race. So I will be well acclimatized here and going directly to the race. I will be training a few days before on altitude and just try a little bit different because normally when I, when I race in Europe, I have to go a week or two before so I, I can, uh, I can uh, kind of manage the jet lag and the temperatures and everything. And right now, uh, the good thing about Colorado, I don't have time difference with Quito. So uh, in, 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 uh, in, in the temperature of the weather conditions are similar. So uh, we are going to try something else. Right. Why arrive early? It's the same. <laughs> it's the same elevation, kind of a similar <laughs> climate. It's fairly dry. It's fairly high. So when you go to Europe, it's sort of stuffy for you. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, something that the audience does not know is when you live in altitude and you go down to sea level, you are not feeling strong. You're feeling sleepy. You're feeling hungry and you want to sleep because your body has kind of adapt to so much oxygen and when you get so much oxygen in one in one uh, gain you automatically uh, your body feels tired so after four days on sea level you start to assimilate the sea level so uh, this is what people don't know people think okay if he lives in altitude he can win i don't know all ironmans and it's not true because i would have i have to train at the same altitude as the as the ironmans do my performances do my endurance there and just sleep on altitude, and that would be make me a a, 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 big, a big advantage for uh, for those races. So it's always a, a matter of what are you looking for, and this is why the, for the FKTs that I do, living in altitude is perfect because normally they start at this altitude. So for me, it's not that I have to go to sea level to train for them. Great, that's interesting. That's interesting. Why well, I, I I of course live in Colorado. And when I raced in New England, like running mountain races, I felt so sluggish. Like you said, you, you should, people think you should feel full of it, but no, it's like, yeah, air feels heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are hungry. You are hungry. This is kind of, you are starving all the time. I'm opening the refrigerator all the time. And this is kind of the reaction of the body because the body is confused. So you have to train that too. I have to race a lot in Europe. So, uh, some of course half of the game is mentally so mentally it's kind of an adaptation that as soon as you arrive there you know that this is kind of a process and just take it easy but of course racing on altitude colorado quito this uh, this is uh, finally an advantage for me because for me living here in south america to raise the golden series in europe is not an adventure at all i have to travel there's a lot of money traveling uh, spending in hotels spending in in airfares and everything so uh, for the first time, they, they brought the Golden Series to America. For me, it was finally a, a huge smile. Great. Well, uh, maybe you know, we're based, fastestknowntime.com is based in Boulder. So maybe you could come up and stop in and say hello. And we could have another conversation this August when you're in the state for Pikes Peak. Yeah, why not? Because I would be a huge honor. I, I last time I, I could not visit uh, Boulder because I was traveling by myself. But this time I'm coming with my family and we're going to spend a week after the race uh, knowing a little bit Colorado Springs and all the regions. So I'm definitely I'm, I'm definitely uh, visit you guys. I'm going to visit you for sure because I, I've heard so beautiful things about Boulder. 
Good. Well, thank you, Carl. I look forward to that. So in terms of looking forward, you're doing Golden Trail Race Series, Pikes Peak and some other the big ones in Europe, but also four out of the seven are done. Now, two of the next, Karsten's Pyramid, that's the highest mountain in uh, Australasia down under. It's kind of a jungle. and Logistically, it's sort of irritating. And then Vinson Massif, which is the highest mountain in Antarctica, that's going to be a logistical hassle too. So I'm glad you have some port support to do this because otherwise these, these would be kind of hard projects just to, you can't really hitchhike to these uh, mountains. Yes, indeed. As you said, this is absolutely important. Normally, the unknown mountain, they are very hard because of logistics. Um, so actually, I started already to investigate a little bit, to research a little bit about uh, about Karsten Pyramid, and I was seeing uh, the distance that you have to run to the base camp and everything. But uh, of course, this is why I chose the seven summits. It's not just because people know them. I, I didn't choose them just because uh, people would look back to Ecuador and say, there is a guy who can run on the seven summits. No, I did it because it was a kid's dream uh, I, to, 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 you know, to discover the world, to be on all seven continents. Probably if I would not be a sportsman, I would never afford, I would have, could have never afforded to be on all of them. So uh, today I can just be thankful for those things that I have achieved on a team because myself alone, you cannot travel and do every every logistic by yourself. Right now, I, I count with a team. And uh, we are all happy. Right now, we are all looking on the map and saying, wow, we're going to Indonesia. This is kind of weird. This is so far away from us. So uh, this is beautiful. Everything, this is kind of the thing why we chose this. Great. And then number seven, Everest. Everest is going to be hard. Uh, this is going to be interesting because as you as you know, 11 people died in the month of May alone on Everest, not people like you with your experience, but it gets dicey up there due to the congestion now. You know, Nepal's been asked to issue fewer permits because with the congestion, people have stopped uh, just below 29,000 feet at the Hillary Step for two hours waiting for congestion to clear. This is, this makes Zagama look like fun by comparison. So I, you have a year or two to think about this, but Everest is going to take some interesting tactics. Yeah, you just resumed it exactly how it is going to be. Definitely, I am aware how commercial uh, Everest has developed. Um, I think uh, a lot of people that are climbing Everest shouldn't be there um, because a, a lot of people, they don't have the experience to be there, but they have the money to do it. And uh, this has become a, kind of a game. And uh, even as a guide, um, I would think twice if someone would say to me, could you guide me up to Everest? Because because of what you mentioned before, you don't want to be standing for hours just to, 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 to climb a mountain and, and, and or probably play with, with, uh, with your life, waiting for someone else to move and, uh, and everybody has to hold the fixed lines and everybody has to just uh, to follow the rules. And on the end, on the end, everything uh, depends with weather conditions. If the window is not seven days, it's just two days. So you're going to have all the people climbing those days on the mountain. So is what happened this year. The window closed to four days and uh, everybody was attempting on those days. So, of course, if I'm going to do an FKT, I have to know the mountain before. So I'm definitely climbing Everest before the FKT attempt. And uh, definitely I will 
be aware or what time of the day, what time of the month, what time of the season I will be climbing to avoid having these lines and just uh, keep climbing. Of course, having people on the mountain, some people on the mountain is always good because they testify that they have seen you on the mountain. And uh, this is also good. On Denali, I had many people that were confirming that they saw me, they passed on their radio to the, to the guards. The guards knew that I was on the mountain. They knew my times, they knew the pictures, they had videos and everything. So this is how, how it goes if you are the underdog. And um, on Everest, I would wish to be on the best season of the year, and this is May, and of course, avoid the people. So it's gonna be a little bit of a conflict, how to avoid people if you are climbing in May but probably try to do it very early in May. Probably trying when the people are starting to, to adapt on the mountain, to be on the, on, the, on the lower camps. I probably will try to make a path to the summit, come back, recover and go for it before the, the full moon is coming. You've obviously thought about it. You have to think about it. That's the nature of FKTs. You have to figure it out for yourself. So Carl, I look forward to another discussion with you, maybe in August. This is delightful. You've uh, informed us greatly. You have a wonderful lifestyle and a lovely perspective. Thanks so much, Buzz. It has been really lovely to talk to you. And uh, thanks for the opportunity and for the coverage. For me, it's a huge opportunity also to, to improve a little bit my English knowledge. And uh, I would be great to talk uh, a lot about technique on the mountain. This is what I do for a living. Uh, guiding has, is my, my beautiful job that I do because it's a beautiful job if you can uh, lead people to the summit and see how they smile, how they cry, and um, yeah, and uh, running up to the mountain, as I said, doesn't make me a, a better human being. It doesn't make me a better athlete. I just, I'm just happy that I can do what I what I love. Excellent, Carl. We look forward to next time. Thanks, boss. Thanks to all of you, and uh, hope to see you soon.